Well, hello, this is your Saturday edition of the Trophy Room. Funny story, I was actually doing the podcast for the last 20-ish minutes before I realized I haven't unmuted my mic. So I did that whole show without going. So we're unmuted, we're hot, we're happy, and we're good. We told you to break down the rest of the week, so I'm going to do that. I'm working two jobs right now, and both have me working afternoons and evenings. So I'm going to try and use this extra time to push out more content in the coming weeks this summer. Also, I'm currently working for ESPN Radio and State College. And while I won't have my own show, you guys will have some time to hear me over there on the radio on a couple shows I'm helping to produce. And I'm going to be doing sports center updates during Penn State baseball. So you'll get to hear me. I'll be high on the mic. It'll be so, so fun. Okay, coming up, there's two top NBA players that need to be traded. And one is might not be who you think. Also, I have a major prediction about the scariest team in the left in this series playoffs without Giannis on it. I'm going to play some Weddle. And I'm going to break down the 76ers second round exit and tell you why it wasn't Doc Rivers' fault. As always, please go give us a five-star review wherever you're listening. It helps out a ton. Go post us on your story. Tag us at Trophy Room Radio, at BHammerR1, Luke as well. We're sponsored by the good people over at Jim Candy. And while Luke's not here with us today, you got the update this last week on the Wednesday version of the podcast with Andy on it. Go to Jim Candy Gummies on Instagram, TikTok, go to the website, start getting ready for those pre-orders, start dumping your powder down the drain. I do want to give a quick shout out though. Luke put me onto these t-shirts. I hate like thin, cheap, low quality t-shirts, which is what I've been wearing for the last 23 years. And I've recently found these uh, shirts that Luke put me on. They're called, it's it's a brand of Nike. They're called Max 90, M-A-X 9-0. They're like a little bit oversized. So if you're going to get one, get like a size smaller than what you usually get. So I usually get a large. I usually, I get a medium in these. They're like I, I don't know. They're just better shirts than anything else that I've ever bought before. They're a little bit oversized, but not like make you fat. I don't know. I love them. So go get Max 90 shirts. That's my shout out for the day. Speaking of shout outs, though, let's give a major shout out to uh, the Golden State Warriors playing some of the ugliest basketball I've ever seen, let alone playoff basketball, and somehow, some way, finding a way to come out with a win in the end. If you watched this game last night, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Warriors. Sorry. Warriors absolutely blasted with 19 total turnovers. They had about as many fast. They had more fast or sorry. They had more turnovers than the Grizzlies had fast break points. And they had almost as many turnovers as they had fast break points. Like, I, the turnovers beat a lot of other stats in this league. They had more turnovers than free throws that they took. And they had the same amount of th- uh, turnovers as three points made. And they actually had more turnovers than three points made that the Grizzlies had. So, all that is to say, and if you and it's not just like, oh, you're just reading the box score. You know, I, like, if you watch this game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The ball was sliding all over the floor. There were people all over the floor. It just had, I don't remember the last time I saw a basketball team with so little care for the basketball because they were doing all the Warriors things with the shovel passes and the behind the backs and the between the legs passes. And they were just flying right out of bounds. Like, they just looked like they didn't care. They weren't in control. Jordan Poole was doing this weird thing where after every uh, 
where they would blow the whistle. He'd go and either try to rip the ball out of Dylan Brooks' hands and then walk away with it like I'm going to take my ball home kind of deal. I don't even know. But as a Golden State, if you're a Golden State fan, you cannot be super excited about this. Yes, you got your game six. You finish business for now until you find out who you got to play next week, which I'm going to tell you. I'll tell you in a little bit. But you can't be comfortable if you're a Golden State Warriors fan. And I'm telling you right now, small ball might have worked. It, it, if job plays, I, I, don't, I think it's a different story. But Golden State's got to figure something out. Because Draymond Green cannot be your full-time center. That's not going to fly. Especially not with Phoenix. Especially not with Dallas. Especially if you're not going to turn the ball over at this high of a clip. This, I think, this is going to be the issue. There's a couple issues with Golden State Warriors. First of all, you got to be more careful with the basketball, which I think they will be. Like, if we're going to give the Grizzlies for not having John Morant, then let's give the Warriors credit for not having Steve Kerr. So I do think some of these turnover issues, I think, will be figured out. But what I do think is interesting is that these games that they've won, Steph and Clay have had to both shoot at an incredibly high clip in order for them to win these games. And while we agree that they're the best shooters on the planet, we would like to say, yeah, they never miss. That isn't the case, though, because they do go, like, go look at their shooting percentages throughout the playoffs. The games they lose, and they've lost quite a few, I know they've won two series, but they've been tight series. Clay and Steph have struggled, or one or the other. And Jordan Poole, only in one or two cases, has been good enough to get them out of that hole. I don't know that that's going to be the case when you have to go play a Phoenix team or a Mavericks team that's as seasoned as they are, as long as they are, as good of defenders as they are. So this small ball thing's going to have to get figured out. You're going to have to find a new way to sneak around this because I don't think you're just going to be able to ram the ball from three through these guys' throats. On the Grizzly side, though, y'all are going to hate me for this. But it is time to trade John Moran. I know. You are losing your mind. You're telling me I don't know sports. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But let me give it to you like this. There's, We've seen this movie before. Right? We've seen, jo- we've seen Derrick Rose. We've seen Robert Griffin III. First of all, we know that knee injuries are, they are what they are. They're a mud trucker. Bad. Career ending. If you got knee issues, you're done. You don't have a career as a professional athlete if you got knee issues, unless you play quarterback, and even sometimes not even then. But before you burn my ship, let's look at what could be a burning ship in the Memphis Grizzlies. Let's look at it like this. So first of all, you're 21-8 and eight this season, including the playoffs, when Jaw doesn't play. That's about 75-66%, somewhere in there. A pretty high clip. If you told the team they could win 75-70% of their games, most of them are taking it. So... Well, yeah, it would be 75 because they're, yeah, maybe 74. Regardless, 
So we know, and and Cowherd said this, I think last month or month before, but he said, Ja is not going to last the next five years. He's like, if I had to pick a young guy in the league right now over the next five years, I'm not picking Ja because I'm not even sure he's going to be there. And I thought he was crazy when he said that. And I'm a Ja guy. I bought a Ja jersey back bef- like before he won rookie of the year. I'm a Ja guy when I was living in Vancouver because that's where the Grizzlies used to be. But this league is about longevity. And fortunately, you don't have to pay as many guys as you have to pay in the NFL, but you're going to have to start paying some of these guys. If Dylan Brooks keeps up the way he's keeping up, which was carrying them in a win that could have been theirs last night through the first three and a half quarters, Dylan Brooks looked like incredible. We know what Steven Adams is. He's a defined commodity. Jaron Jackson's a stud. Desmond Bain lights out from three. This is a really good, young, athletic team that shoots the three ball. It's exactly what you want if you're an NBA franchise. But Ja, his issue is he has one move. And you saw it at the end of, I think, game two or game three. 40 seconds left, drives down the lane, and Steph Curry swats him. Steph Curry, who's, I think, a couple inches shorter than him, but definitely not as athletic as him because he knew exactly where he was going. As much as I love and we love John Morant, we know he doesn't have the ability to pull up and be a threat as a mid-range or deep three-point shooter unless he is wide open and he has all year till Christmas to shoot the ball. So this is what I say. If you're the Memphis Grizzlies, this is what you do. You get John in a room. You say, look, John, we want to sign you to a long-term deal and a good deal. Because it's going to have to be willing, it's going to have to be something that another team is willing to take on. Because you want to, I think that's dealing in good faith with Ja. You sign him to a long-term deal, he'll get paid, he'll get his money even if he gets injured. And then you play him for a year. The writing somehow magically washes off the wall, then I guess you keep him. But it's not going to because we know how this goes. When you send that much time in the air and when you're that small... There's a reason Mike put on so much weight when he played Detroit because he kept getting knocked into the floor and he needed more weight to be that shield for him. And Jaws just not that we, I mean, he could put on weight, but I think his issue is if he puts on weight, he loses a large part of his game and that is getting to the rack. So if you're the Grizzlies, you deal jaw and maybe we'll work on this next week. We'll get a, get a list of places where the trade would actually make sense to deal him. Because I think that's the best deal. If you're the Grizzlies, you got to see the writing on the wall and deal jaw. Okay. That being said, though, Bucks Celtics looks super, super interesting. You watched that game last night. You know exactly what I'm talking about. That was a heater. It's always fun. I feel like you can tell how good a game is going to be. In the first five minutes, which is why we knew how Grizzlies Warriors was going to go last night in terms that it was one of the highest turnover games I've watched in basketball in a long time. But then if you watch Celtics Bucks, you knew, oh, shoot, we got superstars coming at each other's necks. Jason Tatum was pulling up from three and saying, I'm drilling these because this is my game. This is my city and I want this. And then you had Giannis being the most unstoppable force in all of basketball. 
I don't think there's a whole lot to say there. I other than Giannis is the absolute best player in the NBA. Not even close. Which is funny because if you think about it in most sports, MVP doesn't always go to the best player in the league. I find it kind of funny. Which is a whole other conversation that we're going to have here in a couple minutes. But Giannis is the best player in the league. By far, not even close. He's the most, probably will go down as the second most dominant force we've ever seen in basketball. Maybe top three. To me, the most dominant forces I've ever we've ever seen in basketball, excluding Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell, because I don't really count six eight black dudes playing with scrawny A plumbers that couldn't guard them. I don't know what Bill Russell and Wilt will would have looked like today, but I think they would have been talented, but I don't think they would have been dropping forty a game. Top three, I think, total goes in I think in this order. Mostly dominant, Shaq, LeBron. Giannis and maybe Giannis overtakes LeBron probably but that's most dominant not greatest just chill out really roll with me but Giannis is the most dominant player in the NBA by far there's no way to stop him there's zero way which is why I think he should have won MVP but he didn't which is why I don't think it's that crazy that if Giannis wins probably wins two more championships right maybe three I mean I think he's one two years out from overtaking Kevin Durant probably I think he's two, three years out from overtaking Kevin Durant. But Giannis is the best player on the planet, and he proved that last night, even though they lost. This is a good Celtics team. Like, do not get it twisted. These boys are here to stay for a long while because they're so – everybody just fits like a perfect little puzzle. And Jalen Brown figuring out a jump shot a couple of years ago was huge. I don't know who's winning this game. Actually, that's not true. Why am I even saying that? It's going to be the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks are closing it out. I love, 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 love the Celtics. But I feel like this playoffs more than ever has been about what, what things can I count on and what things are anomalies. Good and bad. But if you're going to tell me what I can definitely count on, I can definitely count on Giannis doing what I know he's going to do, and that is be unstoppable down low and be an incredibly efficient scorer. And then, oh yeah, they have Drew Holiday, the most underrated player in the NBA. The second best defensive player to Marcus Smart, maybe even better. Like, I really think Drew Holiday is a better Marcus Smart, if I'm being completely honest with you. The way he closed out that game, uh, was it two, three nights ago? Blocking Marcus Smart, game five. So, yeah, we're going to game seven with Milwaukee and, and Boston, which I think will be incredible. But it's going to be the Giannis show. Giannis is absolutely winning this game. And the Bucks are moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals where they're going to play the Miami Heat. And then you're going to have to give me time to get ready for that one. So, we love – I feel like one of the – things we love to do in this world more than anything else is we love to pass around the blame right we love to say oh no it wasn't my fault it was so-and-so's fault the breakup was her fault the breakup was my fault he cheated she cheated so-and-so didn't fill out the report on time well if so-and-so fills out the report on time then I'm able to do my job and your boss says I don't care did you do what you were supposed to well no but that's because that's because nothing you either did or you didn't do it but because we like to pass around blame so much, I'm going to tell you 
whose fault the 76ers loss was. And a lot of people want to say it's Doc Rivers. And had they blown the lead to... Look, I'm not saying that Doc Rivers is absolved of blame here, but this is what I am saying. Go back and look at James Harden's shots per game. His attempts per game. In this last series, and honestly, this last season. I don't think you can be that upset with Doc Rivers. I think here's where you can be upset with him. Let's give him his blame and then get him out of here. Because I don't think it's all I don't think it's mostly his fault. So fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times. You're a devious, devious man. And it's intentional and there's a connection. Nothing happens by accident. I don't believe I don't believe in coincidences. I find it very, very interesting that there's so many that Doc Rivers seems to blow leads more than anyone else in the league. And why is that? Why is he the connection? I think there is some look, I don't know how he coaches. I'm not in practice. I don't know. But I do wonder if there's some form of conditioning or longevity that he's not giving these guys that everybody else in the league is. I don't know if he's giving them more breaks when they need to be worked or if he's giving them more work when they need to be breaks. But there's got to be some connection there. I don't know exactly how how the cookie crumbles there, but it, there's, there's some validity to it. And I'd love to talk to somebody who has been studying Doc Rivers a lot more than I have, whether or not that's an issue. Because there's a connection for sure. And which is a bummer because I think he's, I mean, he's easily one of the best coaches in the league. Like you can call him out whatever you want, but you got to be pretty elite to be that elite. If you know what I'm saying? Like we're talking about him because he's always in the playoffs and because he's winning a lot of games. So let's not dog on him too much. So, but this is, I don't think it's necessarily Doc Rivers fault. And this is why. Okay, so you thought you had a defined commodity in Ben Simmons. It's not Doc Rivers' fault that he gave Ben Simmons a hard time at the end of the playoffs last year. Because guess what? I don't know if you think it's fair that we hold everyone to the highest standard of if you want to be the greatest, then that, if then, that I always give. But in my life, I want to be the greatest at whatever I do. I was not raised to do anything halfway, and I don't think anyone should do anything halfway. You should shoot for your uh, for your goal, for your objective, whatever. But if you want to play in the NBA, then you get to be held to that standard whether you like it or not. And if you don't like it, that is on you, not on me. But if you want to play in the best basketball league and one of the best professional sports leagues in the entire world, you get to be held to the standard of if you want to be the greatest then. If you want to be the greatest then, you should love criticism. Because here's the deal. You can never be perfect. There's never a point where you are capped out on greatness. You are never incapable of getting better than you were yesterday. So even if people who give you criticism do it unjustly, there's still things you can take from it. And if you're Ben Simmons, you should have welcomed criticism now. Maybe you could have said, hey, coach, I would have liked you for you to say that in public or in private, and I wish you would have said it a little kinder. Fair point. But 
it was true nonetheless. And we know what Ben Simmons is. Ben Simmons is a professional loser. I get the mental health thing. I think the back issue is a little suspect. I think Ben Simmons was not what we all thought he was going to be, right? Doc gets into this relationship with Ben, and then Ben just decides he doesn't want to be there anymore. He's walking out on her. Walking out on this single dad. He said, no, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Joel Embiid, peace out, dude. So Ben decides to leave. And Ben was one of the best defenders in the entire league. Like, could defend all five positions, which not a lot of guys can say. No, was he a shooter? No, but you didn't. I think that was his issue with his fit in, in Philadelphia was that he didn't. You needed a more elite scorer on the wing, and Ben wasn't it. So I don't think it's Doc's fault that he didn't know what he had in Ben. So then he says, okay, well, if we can't get Ben to even get on a basketball court, then let's deal him for someone who we know will. So you send him to Brooklyn. And every, there is not a single person. Look, you might not think you might not have thought that James Harden was MVP James Harden, but you definitely didn't think that he was a bum. You didn't think he was a zero points a game guy. Like you knew he was still, or at least you thought he was still maybe not elite, but just below elite. Very good. One of the top 20 best players in the league. And he wasn't that. And not only wasn't he not that, he wasn't even willing to take shots. And that's, I think, the biggest issue here is it's one thing if you miss, dude. But there's obviously a chemistry issue because um, there's some beef that him and Embiid have had early on in this series about him taking too many shots, which I don't know how you can argue that when he, he he's... Harden's issue has never been... We've never accused Harden of being the fastest player in the league, just like we never accused Luka. I think Luka and Harden are very similar games. I don't think they're that much more athletic than anyone else. But I do think they're quicker and smarter than anyone else. And when that quickness goes away, like it is with James, your game suffers because it's all your game is built on. Everybody's person in this league, save a few guys like Giannis, like LeBron, have one foundation, one founding principle that their entire game is built on. And if you take that away, the game goes away. That's how it is with Harden. So I don't think Doc Rivers, he also didn't expect James Harden. Okay, Joel Embiid was concussed, blasted in the face, beat up, bruised, beat down, and still got you a couple wins against this Miami team. So I think all things considered, you can't blame this on Doc Rivers. I know there was talk that the Lakers were looking into signing him. I don't think that this is a Doc Rivers issue, and the 76ers have said as of right now, they're not firing him. So this isn't a Doc Rivers issue. We'll get to a Doc Rivers issue when Luke comes when we get Luke back next week. But this isn't one of them. This isn't his fault. Speaking of the Lakers, though, there's this huge Bill Plasky story that came out this last week because apparently Phil Jackson would like to trade LeBron and keep Westbrook. Now, if you read the quote from Bill Plasky. He talks about not really having like a solid source and not being able to go on the record with it. This is kind of what I think happened. I think the story got blown out of proportion. I don't think Phil River, Philip, Philip Rivers, hell help me. I don't think Phil Jackson is maybe in the greatest position 
to build a championship team because we watched what he did with the Knicks and that was worse than the Titanic. He doesn't know how to build a team. He knows how to coach a team. He knows how to coach a team 20 years ago, 15 years ago. He doesn't anymore. Well, not even that he doesn't anymore. I don't think he's ever known how to build a build a team. He's just known how to coach one. And I don't even know if he knows how to do that anymore. So I think I don't think that Phil Jackson is parading around saying, "Yeah, I I love Russell Westbrook and 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 I hate LeBron James." I don't think he has beef with LeBron. There's always been a little beef between Phil Jackson and LeBron James. It's always been an issue. No big story there. I think it was addition by subtraction. People said, "Oh, well because you want to trade LeBron James and you want to keep Russell Westbrook, that must mean that you love Russell and that you hate LeBron. I think this is the issue. The reason we're even talking about this is because we know two things. We know LeBron James is worth everything and we know Russell Westbrook is worth nothing. And don't give me that LeBron James is washed because he was a couple games of leading the league in scoring this last year. So, The other hand of that is that we know what Russell Westbrook is worth, and that is basically nothing. Russell Westbrook is one of... uh, Russell Westbrook is John Morant. Ten ten years ago. Russ Westbrook was this athletic freak that we thought was impossible to stop. Guess what? Never figured out a jump shot. And as a result, never been that talented. Never... Sorry. Foot in my mouth. Never been that effective at winning basketball games. So everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's so insane that Phil Jackson would say that. Is it? Tell me, if you're the Lakers, first of all, if I'm the Lakers, I look at LeBron and say, you came into our house and decided you were going to run things. First of all, you can say what you want about Cleveland. You can say what you want about Miami. The Lakers are not the house that LeBron built. They're the house that Kobe and Shaq built. They're the ho- they're the house that that Showtime built. That Magic built. LeBron, you are just another guy in this building. And LeBron has come into it like, "Oh no, no. You guys need my help. You need help. I'm here to be your savior." No, 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 no. So I think there is a part of this that I, I and then for Clutch Sports to be wheeling and dealing and and for them to go out and get Anthony Davis and he's never been able to be healthy. And then for them to go out and get Russell Westbrook when they could have gotten Buddy healed. I think there is a part of this that Jeannie Buss has beef with LeBron James. There is. And there's people talking about this going back and forth, but I'll tell you where I stand on it. There's some people saying, oh, well, they want to keep him because they want to see him break Kareem's record in a Laker jersey. I think the opposite. Because I don't know that they want how much longer they want LeBron's name to be associated with them. Because I don't think they love him. I don't I think they're beefing, I think they're bumping heads. If you're the Lakers, why would you want because if LeBron breaks that record in a Lakers jersey? Yes, I guess you can say, yeah, as the Lakers, we have some of the greatest scorers of all time. But the thing with LeBron has always been, he's always been the brand. It's been the LeBron brand. Those Cavaliers teams, they weren't the Cavaliers. It was LeBron's team. Those Miami Heat teams, 
Those were LeBron's teams. Lakers have never been that way. It's always been about the Lake Show. It's always been L.A. And LeBron wanted to make the entire city of L.A. all about him. And the Lakers are not happy with that. Jeannie Buss isn't happy with it. Rob Palenka's not happy with it. They're ready for LeBron to stop parading around like he is the Lakers. He's a part of the Lakers, but the Lakers are not LeBron James. And I think that's an issue that they're having problem with, uh, having I- issue with. And so you say, if I'm the Lakers, why would I want LeBron to break Kareem's record in a Lakers jersey? Because to me, that's almost some level of sacrilegious. And when you add on top all the other shenanigans he's brought on, and get this, fun fact, after the year after Kobe left the Lakers, they had literally no one. They had Coos and the boys. They won more games than the Lakers won this last year with LeBron James on it. So LeBron's issue has been he's dealt away all their good young players and left them with Taylor Norton Tucker and Austin Reeves. They don't have anything left. They have no future left because LeBron dealt all of it away in the name of winning a championship right now, which not only didn't happen, they didn't even make the playoffs. And they got bounced first round. It does start to make this championship in the bubble look like not even an anomaly, but an alternate reality. So is trading LeBron James that crazy? No. Does it maybe lose you some tickets? Probably not because it's L.A. People will go to the Lakers games no matter what. I don't think trading LeBron's that crazy because it's the only thing you have that anyone else in the league actually wants. That being said, though, I'm just going to take a quick break, real quick. We're going to play some Weddle because I think it's fun, and especially if you haven't played today. So we're going to do the NFL player guessing game, and I'm going to try and break it down for you as much as possible. We're just going to do easy mode because I don't know that I have enough on my own to do hard mode. But uh, let's see. Where do we want to start? I'm just going to scroll down. You know what? Let's go Antonio Gibson, the running back for – wow, they have updated Bailey Zapps in here, the kid from uh, Western Kentucky. Let's go Antonio Gibson. Okay. Sick. So we know he's in the NFC East. We know he's six foot two, and we know he's twenty three. Okay, so who's six foot two? Who's twenty three years old? Else in the NFC East. How tall is Devonte Smith? His number is higher than twenty four, so he's probably <sighs> no, because Devonte Smith's a single 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 digit. What number is? Who else is in the NFC East that we could even guess? Who's 23 years old? Super young in the NFC East. I'm trying to think. I feel like it's like Dora the Explorer right now where you guys are yelling at me because you probably know a better answer than I do. And I, I literally can't hear you. Six foot two, 23 NFC East. And he's not a running back, by the way. So he's a wide receiver, a tight end, or a quarterback. But he's probably not a quarterback because his number is higher than 24. Let's go... Six foot two. What about Kadarius Tony? Okay. So we know he's a wide receiver. We know he's in the NFC East. We know he's six foot two. We know he's 23 years old. And his number is either 88 or 87, which that means that this is nothing other than CeeDee Lamb. Wow. Three guesses. More like two. 
I'm actually a god. All right, you know what? If I don't want to get exposed, but we could try hard mode. You know what? I don't need everyone to make fun of me when I get this wrong, so we're not even going to do that. We are going to do, though. We're going to do my bold prediction for this NBA playoffs. And that is, which I kind of already alluded to earlier, but I think the biggest surprise this playoffs was not the Memphis Grizzlies. Because we knew what they were going to be without John Morant, and we knew what they were with John Morant. I think the biggest surprise of this year's playoffs has been the Dallas Mavericks. Because it's felt like at any point they could get swept. I thought they were going to get swept after that first game, well, before the first game, against Phoenix. I thought they were going to get swept after the first game. And Luka is a can't-stop, won't-stop kind of guy. So my bold prediction for this year's playoffs halfway in is that if 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 Dallas beats Phoenix on Sunday tomorrow the Dallas Mavericks easily go to the NBA finals and they are poised to beat the Milwaukee Bucks and here's why I don't think the Miami Heat are beating Milwaukee cuz I just I like I I I love I love Miami, really. I love Bam, but I don't think they have big. They have enough size to hold Giannis down. I think that has been the one incredibly underrated strength that I've raved about from this Dallas team. Is if you watch them, they just have a bunch of guys. They have the Reggie Bullock. They have Dwight Powell. They have um, Maxi Kleber. These like six, seven, six, nine guys who are long, athletic, and all, and like they basically have three small ball centers who can all shoot. And then Jalen Brunson has looked like an emerging young star. And then, oh yeah, Luka is probably the second greatest white basketball player in the history of the league. Because he's so smart. And he's such a great shooter. So my bold prediction for you is that the Dallas Mavericks have a not-that-long shot of winning the NBA Finals. I do want to say this, though. The NBA has a major, major officiating problem, and I hope they figure it out because it's really annoying. And if you watch the Bucks games, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's like this, I don't know. They don't seem to know how to officiate Giannis. And the officiating is so, what's the word, touchy, where guys can get away with a lot or some guys can get away with nothing at all. And they got to figure it out because it makes the game such lower quality. And you already have so many people who criticizing that that defense and, and how physical the game is is already an issue. You got to be able to sit there on there and prove them wrong. I also find it just a little bit suspect that every game – um, Scott Foster has refereed. If you didn't know this, this is crazy. So every so there's a referee named Scott Foster. Every game he's refereed of Chris Paul's, Chris Paul has lost, never won, and it's like a big sample size too. I do think there's, I don't know, you gotta get some unity and this, some solidarity between the officiating on these guys because it makes the game lower quality. Like the, I raved about the officiating in the Bucks or not Bucks Celtics. 
not Bucks Celtics, Celtics and Nets game in round one, like those first three games, they were physical. And you maybe could argue that Durant got fouled more than he should have been, but I loved it. I thought it was so much fun for them to just play hand checking tight because it, it's, it's hard to steal the ball because you need a couple swipes to go and get it. And if you don't make that much contact, I don't think it's a big deal. And they were able to play such lockdown defense in that game that it made the game more fun and more physical. And I don't think – I get that you don't want to get guys in fights. And I get that you want to deme- like play down some of the noise. But I think it was a lot of fun to watch. And so I think the NBA is – I don't know what the solution is, but – I. I, I'm letting you know that I know and that everybody else knows there's a major officiating issue. And I'm not sure what it is if but they the NBA's gotta get it figured out in these meetings. I do like the, some of the rule changes because I thought it was stupid that you could just jump into another guy and shoot and you would get free throws for it. I like it. But let's just leave a lot of no calls on the board. Like let's just get some you get some here, you get some there, just play physical basketball and when it gets out of hand. Then you start to figure it out. Because you have guys getting ejected for things that are really not. They're just hard flagrant ones. All that being said. Jokic did not deserve MVP. Because. No one else. We hate Aaron Rodgers for getting MVP. The only other person to win. As low of a seed as Jokic was. Was Russell Westbrook. And he had the greatest non-effective basketball season of all time, and I wouldn't argue that's what Jokic is. And it would be one thing if Jokic was easily the most dominant player in the NBA, but he's not. And to some extent, he's a little bit of a defensive liability because you, you see him getting pulled from the end of games. He's not clutched defensively, and Giannis is still in the league. And you not giving Giannis MVP is probably going to make him go run to another championship. That being said, though, that is my time for the day. Hopefully, I have you ready for the for the games the rest of the weekend and, and some more playoff games. Hopefully, we're able to figure out some more content the rest of this week. Um, and next week, you will see Luke and I definitely on Wednesday. And hopefully, I have some other stuff working up in the cooking of the books for you. And I'll let you guys know when I'm back on ESPN Radio so you guys can listen to me doing some Sports Center updates and other pretty shows and that kind of stuff. It'll be super fun. So, whoa. 